0: Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of How I Got Here. Um, We're joined by um, the one and only Julia Ju. Julia, as you know, is a graduate student and recent Haas grad of um, the Haas School of Business. Um, Julia, we're excited to have you here today.
1: I'm excited to be on here today. Thanks for having me. (laughs)
0: Well, Julia, as you know, um, one of the key um, points of this podcast is really to get to know each other better. Um, Would you mind just starting by sharing a little bit of background on yourself and describing some of your upbringing and how you grew up?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's always sometimes hard for me when people ask me where I'm from. And maybe it doesn't sound like a hard question to answer, but it's always interesting. So I am actually originally from California, well, born in California. But when I was seven, I moved to China because of my dad's job. So I lived in Beijing for half a year, and then we ended up moving to Shanghai. And I actually lived there for over 10 years of my life. And so for me, that was kind of the part of my life that was really defining. I remember, like, when I was younger and I would come back to America and I'd be like, oh, like, this is what it's like being American. And then i go back to China and you'd feel like a foreigner again. And so there was always like I wasn't like a third culture because it was these were my two cultures. But I felt like I was like a different person in each place. Um, like in China, I wasn't Chinese, but in America, I wasn't American enough. But yeah, so I lived in China for 10 years and I graduated high school there and then ended up coming back to the States for college. And um, it was such a funny decision because I remember when I was applying to college, I was very against moving back to California because I was like, oh, I'm from California, I want to try something else. And I actually ended up going to college in the South. And I remember even my high school teachers were like, why why the south like you don't even know anything about there. and i was like i just want to try something new but it was just interesting for me to come over to the states um go, go like go live in nashville tennessee out of all places from shanghai where like the population's like 20 million so coming to this like smaller city in the states and meeting like people who you know may have never traveled outside of their towns um where nashville may have been like the biggest city they've ever been to so it was definitely really interesting, and I felt like my eye I really, like, got a super eye-opening experience by being in the South and being, like, at Vanderbilt specifically. Um, I feel like I just rambled
0: a lot no, for sure. about my
1: life. But that's, like, the short story of kind of where – of who I am, I believe.
0: Well, Julia, I guess – to take a step back, would you, would you mind sharing a little bit about um, kind of your your youth? When um, you mentioned that you kind of were born in California, um, what part of California did you grow up in?
1: Um, I'm actually was born in San Jose, so very close to Silicon Valley, and um, surrounded about surrounded around like surrounded by a lot of those big tech companies. And it's kind of funny because I think I was just thinking recently. I was like, oh, I was. Like sort of born and sort of raised in the area where like the companies I'm trying to like get into now or trying to better understand now, but never really like appreciated it. I mean, who can when they're like seven years old, right? Um, So I honestly don't remember much of it. It's it was very suburban, Um, yeah, very suburban. Just a lot of. I mean, I think that's all I can say about that that I
0: remember. Uh, Because most of my memories were definitely built in China and just like living in the middle of a city. And so you you moved to China because of your your dad's job and you spend time in Beijing and eventually Shanghai. Um, What was that like moving over? Because, I mean, I'm assuming you grew up speaking a combination of both English and Chinese.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um, I actually remember when my parents told me, we're like, oh, we're moving to China and I think when you're seven, you're just like, oh, that's so cool. Like, I can't wait. Um, I remember being very excited. And I think that would have been different if maybe if I was in middle school or high school and I had like a very set amount of friends and I the concept of moving made more sense to me. Um, so I was really happy about going somewhere new. But I remember the day we landed in China um, in Beijing and I, we got in a taxi from the airport to go to our new apartment. remember i started crying because i was like what is this place like this is not familiar at all but i think it was nice because um i was really fortunate to be able to go to international school in china so was still surrounded by a a huge english-speaking population um but i definitely always tell people like that experience of going to international school like i feel so like privileged and blessed to be able to do that because i was able to meet so many people from just like every culture almost imaginable um and i think it really opened my mind to a lot of things and so like sometimes even when i'm back here in the states and i talk to people who who may have never like left the united states or you know didn't have the privilege to do so i feel really lucky that i'm able to say like oh i have friends all around the world and you know, you can have different discussions, especially, you know, given the current climate. It's
0: always interesting to hear
1: different perspectives.
0: You know, it's really interesting. And, and and we've spoken to a couple of other folks that similarly went to an international school, but I, I feel like that it's and expressed similar sentiments about being very diverse and exciting. But would you mind just sharing a little bit more about your experience? Um, Uh, I guess even international schools are unique and different. Um, What was it like going to an international school? Um, Was it like, did you have friends immediately? Was it hard to develop kind of new friendships because there are people that um, were from different types of backgrounds?
1: I think it's like when you come in much younger, it's a lot easier. So I started, I think, international school in third grade. Yeah. So I was like seven when I started. And I think it's it's pretty easy for younger kids to become assimilated um and it's just interesting because i think the kids who go to international school come from different backgrounds like and they're i think they're used to moving around too so they understand the kind of how it feels to be new um and the thing with international school i think the sad thing was always that like because it was really just based on what your parents' jobs were. Um, a lot of people would leave after a year, or after two years. So you're just so used to, you know, friends coming and going. And, um, but I think just like being able to meet, I like never thought about it this way until kind of I moved back to the States, but being so privileged to have like a best friend in Australia or, and a best friend in Hong Kong and a best friend who lives in like Europe. And it's, like, weird to say, like, best friend for all these different things, but it's, like, everyone just became so close, because international schools in China are typically very small, and so the class that I ended up kind of just, like, growing up with um, in Shanghai, like, our graduating class was 27 people, so you really got to know everyone, and, like, every weekend people would go out and hang out with each other, and it was just, like, it was, like, a little community, and, I mean, in a a con was that it was like kind of a bubble but it's like you got to meet these people and then they would invite you to their houses and you meet their parents and their parents would like cook up all these like cultural meals and at school you would they would always have like these like big culture days where you could like go to different tables and learn about different countries and all the parents would be there and like teaching you about you know what types of foods and traditions they would have um i, I mean these are just all small things but i think like, thinking back now, I'm like, oh, that shaped a lot of, like, how I saw the world and how I was super open to just, like, being, going to all these places, Um, and I think that, like, that kind of formed my mindset of, hey, like, it's okay to just go around and travel and be very open to, like, going to different places and experiencing different cultures and not being as scared about it because... I feel like everyone in my, everything in in that part of my life was very, how do you say it, like transient in a sense.
0: Mm. And and, and Julia, I guess, was this, this wasn't a boarding school, was it? Did you, did you still go home to see your family or or was this a school that you're fully immersed in?
1: No, this was, um, this was not a boarding school. So, um, but it's funny because all the schools in, all the international schools in China are kind of built out really, really, really far out because land is, I guess, cheaper. Um, And so I would wake up at like 5.30 or 6.00 every morning to get on a bus (laughs) to go to school
0: because it was like an hour and a half away. Oh, wow. And Julie, would you mind sharing a little bit about kind of um, what home life was like? Um, I know you have a brother as well. Um, Was he there with you? And and what was that like growing up um, in in, in China. I mean, you, you mentioned you had this outlet, obviously, in this close friend group um, in your international school, but was it was it different in the home life and just kind of living in um, in China, or was this just kind of normal at this point?
1: Um, or do you mean it was normal for me to just, to, to be living in China, even without, like, separate from the international school experience?
0: Yeah, because I, I think one of the things that was striking was you were mentioning that um, like you never felt necessarily like you belong neither in the U S or China in terms of, um, culture backgrounds. And I, I'm wondering, mm-hmm. um, in that home environment, obviously your parents kind of understand both cultures and, um, I'm, I'm wondering like what that was like. Growing yeah. Up um,
1: I would say my, my upbringing was very, very Chinese though, to be honest, um, I mean especially since we were living in china at that point so relatives would come over every couple days and everyone would only be speaking chinese like all the traditions we had were chinese um i would say when i was younger at least my parents fell into very traditional chinese um or yeah very traditional chinese like mindset in terms of like how your kids would be raised um and it was funny just like when my relatives would come over and sometimes they just like ask silly questions they would be like oh are you like American or Chinese and I'd be like I'm American they'd be like no you're Chinese like your blood is Chinese and I think I had to I remember I was like very resistant uh against that but like growing up now it's funny because I think I remember when I moved here people would be like oh where are you from I'd be like I'm from China and people would hear my accent, they'd be like, oh, well, you have a really great American accent. I'm like, okay, well, technically, I got i American because of, like, my nationality. Um, mm. But, like, inside, I feel like the, my, not my beliefs, but the way I think I approach things is really shaped by my Chinese relatives and my parents. Um, and, I mean, I grew up speaking just Chinese to my mom, essentially, and my dad, I would Go in between chinese and american uh chinese and english but that was like the very chinese part but then my brother which is really funny like he i don't know why he moved to china way way younger so he was like three when he moved there but never really picked up chinese properly i think he's just resistant to learning <laughs> um so my brother and i are like the very and my brother is I would say is like the more American of the two and he actually ended up moving back to the States for high school and so he's definitely much more immersed and I think he finds it easier to like assimilate to a lot of the uh, a lot of the like the situations here where sometimes I still feel um like a little reticent to like approach different conversations or approach different types of people and I think that might be because like in China there is like this mindset where it's like you should be more reserved and you shouldn't like speak up as much.
0: And I think that still affects me to this day. No, no, it's interesting. And I guess one of the things I'd like, if you'd mind sharing a little bit more about Julia, is just the family environment. I mean, it sounds like you have a lot of family that you grew up with apart from your immediate family there. Um, would you mind sharing a little bit about kind of them and kind of how they played a role in your life?
1: yeah um so my dad's parents are also in shanghai and so i remember actually like a lot of weekends we would just hang out there and my grandfather is a professor in in china or in shanghai I, my grandma too before and so i think they really like instilled this like sense of you know education is really important like you need education to go off into the world <laughs> and I think that's like sort of a traditional mindset now too I remember thinking that as a kid I was like oh we ha- you have to go to school in order to succeed but I think like a lot of stories these days that you hear it's like it's not necessary as long as like you kind of have a good understanding of where you want to head to and you have a good head on your shoulders and so that was the parents um, my grandparents from my dad's side my parents from my mom's side are didn't live in shanghai but we would see them every once in a while but i guess you would say wasn't super close to them um i think that's always like the ironic thing though about like my sort of my family life is that in china they preach a lot of like oh this is like community it's very like filial piety type of stuff um and while i saw my relatives a lot i never i guess developed a relationship where i was like oh like be this is family, family. I, I don't know if this is like coming across correctly, but it's like, you know how some people are, like super close to all their relatives. I think it never got to that point with me, but I do feel like it, partially it was the language barrier where they would try to talk to me and I would understand them slightly, but I wouldn't be able to have, I didn't have the words or like, yeah, the capacity in Chinese to respond in the way that I wanted to. And so I think none of the relationships really got to, um, where I think it could have been if I was just a little bit more
0: fluent. No, gosh, gotcha. and, and that's interesting. And um, Julie, would, would you mind sharing a little bit about kind of how your education experience holds? I, I actually don't know that much about international schools. So, I mean, you mentioned that you stayed there throughout high school. Um, mm-hmm. did, did that change throughout kind of middle school and in the high school years? Was it a different environment or still that same like 27-person graduating class? Um, what was that like?
1: Yeah, um, I stayed in the same school, essentially, from I switched once from third and third grade to fourth grade and but then from fourth grade all the way to 12th grade, it was literally the same school, but always different people kind of like I was saying, just like because everyone was just coming in and out and, you know, friends would always leave. And it was just interesting because, like, at the end of the school year, there was always a time where everyone would just like get around and cry because you knew like half of half of the people were moving. <laughs> so, um um but sorry I think oh you're talking about education I think it was interesting because I went to a school where it I that this is like one of the things I learned is like um so half I would say about half of the population of my school were from Europe and I think it just like I mean even our perspective now is like the way Europeans approach things it's more like you know kind of okay I I'm interested in this I like this I'm going to go pursue it and it's like I don't necessarily have to go to college for it. It's like if I go and find a job that, like, teaches me the same things, then why not do that? And I saw that, especially closer to, like, when I was in high school and, like, 10, 11, 12th grade and seeing people, like, go off and start applying to things. And it was just such an interesting dichotomy. Um, I think, like, education-wise, nothing was very, like, special about my school. (laughs) Um, But it was interesting to see how people approached, like, the post high school life, where the Americans were all like, "Oh, I have to apply to this many schools and like, what was it called? Like the Common Application, like everyone's doing those and like getting recs and stuff." Well, more of the Europeans are like, "Okay, like I'm really interested in this. Let's go explore it." And uh, like after we graduated, like they all went back home to Europe and they're all just like doing so many like interesting different things. And a lot of them ended up in places that I what I didn't expect. Like I remember following one person who was in my class and like she ended up doing, like, going to, like, three different schools just because she just wanted to try different types of degrees, Um, and, like, it seems like she's in a really happy place now, and so just, like, looking at that, I'm like, oh, it's, like, so unnecessary to, like, have to set this, like, path for yourself, but I think that's just kind of, like, the American mindset, where it's, like, you have to go to college, you have to get a degree, and if you want to go even further, like, you have to go to grad school, (laughs) Um, and I don't think that's, like, necessarily the right way to think about things, and so it's not, like, an educational thing, but it was kind of, like, a uh, post post high school life type of insight that I was able to glean based because of like how diverse high school was.
0: And, and so Julia, you're you're at this international high school and you're surrounded by all these really interesting people from all over the world that kind of you're exposed to. And would you mind just describing a little bit about kind of what that what the daily life was like? Um, kind of throughout high school and then you mentioned that some folks were not considering going to to school um, and and some of them were thinking about potentially just learning a craft Uh, what was also just your experience like thinking about going to college Um, and like what inspired you and kind of what motivated you to even come back to the U.S. and get educated here
1: yeah I think it's just honestly like part of it was it was very narrow minded thinking for my part like now that sometimes I think back to it because it was just like oh like i'm american eventually i'll have to go back to college in the states um because like i like <laughs> i think being american you're just like that's where all the good education is what it is not necessarily true um and i yeah i think it, i was just it was a very narrow-minded and i don't think i really opened myself up to op- other opportunities but then i think that also harks back to my upbringing and that my parents were just like they were just like you know you have to apply to college and have to be in america and i think for them it's like their dream was always to send a kid to an ivy and obviously that didn't happen um and i think because they had like these very strong expectations of me um i was just like so zoned in and myopic and like oh i have to like achieve these things to like make my parents happy and make them proud of me um I mean the day-to-day was just I think it's still very typical of kind of like an American probably school day where it's like you go and you have class I think the really cool thing about going to international school was being able to do sports there um and I think that also formed a lot of my like early years of like team building and um being able to just like work with people who are from like just being to learn and grow with a team and, like, playing games is always just something different, too. But, like, in the States, I don't think I would have ever been able to do that because I definitely don't have the athletic prowess to uh, go up against, like, the schools that go here and end up going to, B1, like, players who are undergoing to, like, D1, D2, D3 schools. But in, like, China, it's, like, everyone's just kind of like, oh, yeah, like, you want to join? Like, come join. As long as, like, you could run fast enough, you could play basketball and volleyball. Um, And so, like, my son was, like, going to school and then, I played both basketball and volleyball throughout middle school and high school, and so like those would end up like practice would end up going until like six, seven, and then again it would take me almost two hours every night to get back home, and so I'd go home at like eight or nine um, every night. But it was what was I getting to? <laughs> I mean that's just like the everyday, but it I never it never got boring though because it was just like there was always something interesting going on, and just like China or Shanghai was like growing so much during that time so like every weekend like you would go out and essentially you'd be going out with like your teammates or even just like for class because it was so small but we would always head out somewhere um there was a lot of expat areas in Shanghai so it was just like very easy for everyone to get around and just hang out without there being too many like I guess language barriers.
0: And so, Julia, would you mind describing kind of what that process looked like for you and kind of thinking about going to school back in the U.S.? Um, you're I mean, you're a you're a high school um, kind of senior now. And I guess um, when when you're thinking about kind of the schools that you're considering, I mean, your parents want you to kind of get educated back in the U.S. And you're thinking about that. Um, how did you decide that you wanted to end up going to to, to Vanderbilt? Um,
1: yeah, um, it's actually really interesting. So. Um, the only reason I ended up applying to Vanderbilt was because my best friend um, from middle school, she lived in Nashville before she moved to Shanghai, and we were very, very close. And so one summer, we we're just like, "Oh, we're gonna go to back to America together for the summer." And um, she had, she had a house in Nashville, and so she just, I just went along with her family. Like my parents, were like, "Yeah, just go with her, go to Nashville." And I, funny thing like, I don't even remember. I didn't remember Nashville that well, but I remember having such a great summer with her. And that memory just really, like, I don't know, it must have, like, left a really strong imprint. And so I was just like, you know what? I'm going to apply to Vanderbilt because I remember just having such a great time in Nashville. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, and it was, like, kind of one of those last-minute decisions because, like I was saying, I honestly did not have a great strategy when I was applying to college. I, I wish I did, but it was mainly just, like, what colleges would like It is kind of sad to say but like make my parents happy if I went mm. and then um and then I think obviously there then there was like oh just apply to like a couple of safety ones and then I remember like coming up I was like you know what I just want to round it up to 10 and so I looked at the interbill and they didn't require an essay and I was like you know what I had a really great time so why not and and I mean I guess I just I got in and I was just like oh this is like a pretty good college why not go try it um even though everyone was like pretty against going um and it was kind of funny because my parents were kind of like oh nobody's heard of Vanderbilt like that's like a no-name school and I was like I don't I was very headstrong as a kid too I was like I don't care I'm going um like I never. I didn't necessarily love nashville but i love vanderbilt but yeah like going back to my process it was really just like oh like here's the schools that my parents want me to go to here's a couple safeties like i'm applying because like you, you kind of have to apply to a safety um and and sometimes i still think back to it i'm like oh if i had like more been more methodic about choosing the colleges looking at like going deeper into like the type of programs they offer and looking more into like the cities that the colleges are into
0: I think maybe I would have chosen differently. And I guess, Julia, what was that like to come back to the U.S. and start your education now in in Tennessee? Um, was that transition hard or was it just kind of you kind of knew what you were getting yourself into because you kind of came back to the States a lot? What was that like your first year on campus?
1: Yeah, um, I always say like going to Nashville really opened my eyes to a lot of the microaggressions in america um and i always compare this to like someone that i ended up meeting at work uh she went she actually went to berkeley for undergrad and i met her when i work in san francisco and i remember her she said like oh like going to berkeley was nice because there's so many asians there but then you come out into the real world and you realize like that's just not how like the world is split up in terms of like percentage wise um, and she was like, it, it was kind of hard for her to get, like, into, I, I guess, like, understand that, like, that's not how the world revolves. Um, but being at Vanderbilt was definitely different because I think I would say, like, a large percentage of the population were definitely, like, Caucasian, um and not too many Asians. And so I remember when I first came, I I guess I just felt really, I felt really not American because I think there were... I, i don't know how to like put it properly but like kids here when they come out of high school i think they just act differently they are different because i can see it in my brother too like when he went to high school like they're just different from the kids back in back in (laughs) high um and i I, i'm a very like shy i'm pretty introverted person and so it was it was really hard for me to um talk to people and i'm someone who's who is like if you don't If you don't like make the effort to like come up and speak to me i likely will not go up and speak to you because i'm just like too scared (laughs) um and so i think i remember i just spent like the first couple days like wandering around and i had a roommate but again i was very like shy i was like oh like i probably won't talk to her too much um but like i'm also the type of personality where i'm okay being alone and so i remember just being like this is so weird but I, i was really lucky because while we don't have a huge Asian population there, and we actually don't have a huge international population there, I actually ended up like talking to this girl like before I came to Vanderbilt, and it, I don't know if you remember there's like a site called College Confidential, mm. um, and she had actually messaged me because she went to another international school in Shanghai, and she was like, oh I'm going to Vanderbilt too, and I was like, oh that's great, and then we never really talked, and then it was after this like one freshman like orientation event, I was just like walking back to my door. And I just saw her at a stoplight and I don't know like what came over me because I, again, like I said, I don't, I don't approach people. Um, and I went to her and I was like, oh, hey, like, are you, are you Bonnie? And she's like, oh yeah, I am. And then we ended up just like talking the entire time back to the dorms. And then that's kind of like how I ended up forming my friend group. And it was just like a lot of people, it was a very diverse group of friends, but it was just a lot of people who I feel like um, also felt more uncomfortable at the in the Vanderbilt culture um I would say like a big percentage of Vanderbilt is also Greek which I definitely did not research before I went to Vanderbilt so I was very surprised um when I saw like how dominant that lifestyle was and I wasn't Mm -hmm. used to it because it's like you never hear about Greek life in China right it doesn't it's not a thing like it's only an American thing I think um and the only like perspective I had was like my math teacher back in high school like he is from the states and he said something like oh joining the frat is like paying for friends
0: and that was like
1: the only thing i remember and i was like okay well but obviously i wouldn't do something like that and it's like when you're in that culture i think you also commit to like a specific like type of lifestyle where it's just a lot of like going out and a lot of drinking um And I think, like, when I came to America, I was kind of just like, oh, like, I I don't think that's kind of the lifestyle that I'm looking for. And so I felt very, like, yeah, I just felt very not in it because a lot of the freshmen in my dorm, all the girls were like, "Um, shoot, what's the word for it? We're rushing. And I wasn't. And so Mm -hmm. it was really hard to have conversations with them because I didn't have anything else to talk about. Um, But I was, like, lucky that I was able to find this group of friends who we're just like they're just like you know we just want to like do our own thing we just want to go like watch movies in in like the dorm like shared spaces on the weekends like we're not too into like having to go out and having to go to frat parties all the time and i'm really lucky to have found that group because i think like um especially like three of them i'm super close with still and like to this day we still like chat um and i'm like a bridesmaid in one of their weddings and so i'm very excited for that for next year (laughs) But that was just, like, the group that I ended up being with. And it was interesting, too, because we had, like, an Asian-American student association there. But for some reason, like, that's the thing, right? Like, we had an Asian-American student association, but I also feel like I didn't belong there because I wasn't Asian-American enough. Like, I felt so, I felt more Chinese than American. And so I still felt, felt like it was hard for me to, like, get involved in a lot of those things. Um, and then there was still like a Chinese student association but then I felt like I couldn't get involved in that because I wasn't Chinese enough and so that's like again like going back to like why I ended up with my friends because we were just like people who like accepted each other for the way they were and um and just very like I guess like just we were just like who we were you know I don't I don't know if there's
0: a better way to put it <laughs> yeah I know for sure um and, and I guess, Julia, um, what were you studying? Like, what, what was the, what did you, um, you came into Vanderbilt, and this it was a pretty premier institution, and I guess, did you have a sense of what you knew you wanted to learn, or was it kind of formed throughout kind of your your college years? Um, what, what were you doing and thinking about in terms of um, what you wanted to do while you were there? Yeah, um, it's actually
1: kind of interesting. So I went to summer school, or like this summer school in America, um back in high school and i remember I, I took a class called like law and psychology and it was really it was about like criminal law and then but then using like psychology during trials and stuff um to like prove that someone was like mentally unfit and i remember just thinking like oh my gosh this is so cool and i think this was back in like 10th or 11th grade so when i went to college i was like i think i 100 was just like i wanna i wanna study psychology um and so i literally just went ahead in like psychology um i remember Funnily, like my parents were super against it because they're like, "You won't make money as a psychology major," and there was actually like a huge argument because of this. Um, I remember just like being like, "I promise, like I'll go get like a doctorate degree. Just like let me study what I want to study," because I think they wanted me to like, I mean obviously like go be a doctor or something. But I, I remember just like going in, I was like, "I don't want to be a doctor. Uh, That's that's not something I'm like particularly interested in. I want to study psychology." Um, so, from like freshman year, I all my classes were psych or like kind of neuroscience based. And then I remember just having like a very like defining conversation with another freshman who was like obviously just like in cognitive in a cognitive sense, just like years ahead of us. Like, he he gave me advice and it's just like, oh, you should like go work in a go work in one of the labs. And I was like, I don't know how to. And he was like, just reach out, just like email, email a like a Principal investigator that you're interested in and go work in her lab. And um, I remember because, like, my because that one like class I took in summer school was like on a lot of like very um, serious, I would say mental illnesses. And so I remember finding a lab that was studying schizophrenia. And the principal investigator was like Dr. Sophie Park. I remember like reading through all her research and I was like, this is where I want to work 100%. And I remember just like emailing her and she was very open to just like meeting with me. And I mean, like next thing you knew, I was like a freshman in that lab, just like working there um, and helping like a lot of the graduate and postgrads or postdocs to research. And I think that's what really defined a lot of my experience at Vanderbilt. And also I think like shaped um, a lot of my interest today. So, I mean, working in a lab with schizophrenia patients, that's just, like that's I feel like how I also like I was saying before about this like empathy piece because I think I I mean in China that's just the interesting thing right like mental health is not a conversation that a lot of people have um a couple years ago like maybe a psychologist like went on a tv show and people were like "Ooh, psychology but he was like very pseudo sciencey where like he wrote a book about like how different colors affect your mood and it's it's just like like and people in china don't believe mental illnesses are a thing they're just like oh you're like sad just get over it or like you're just kind of anxious get over it and i was like i was raised like that a little bit too um but then coming into this lab and seeing like oh there's like a very like neuroscience background and very like biological reasoning for all these things but like while they're not solved and there's no cures but there's like a lot of research into it i think um that like really shaped like oh this like psychology is more than just like the pseudoscience that people think it is and then working with schizophrenia patients and like interacting with them during studies like you kind of see like how hard they have it and how hard it is for society to kind of accept them and like help them integrate and it was just like i i mean i'm sure this is the same across a lot of different countries but just like how we have this very like terrible stigma against people with mental illnesses while they are only just trying to help themselves, and there are some things they just can't control. And I think that that helped me really build up a lot of this empathy towards, um, I mean, just empathy in general, because it's like, oh, there's like people out there who like suffer from these things, and I could never ever step in their shoes or I could never understand where they're coming from. But like the most I can do is just like have a conversation with them and be able to talk to them and like treat them like they would want to be treated, even if I'm just interacting with them briefly in a lab um and so that's like a kind of a tandem empathy piece but like working in this lab really shaped what i wanted to do in the future um i ended up like writing my thesis on like this this machinery like it's called transcranial direct current stimulation and how it affects like the cognitive how it can improve um cognition in schizophrenia patients and i think while doing that that actually uh like, I remember thinking, like, oh, I want to go get my PhD in clinical psychology. And this is, I, I, I guess I tell this all the time now, but it's just, like, I remember thinking about wanting to apply, but at the same time, like, every time I met up with my PI, it would just be, like, oh, I'm, like, writing writing grants for funds. And I was, like, man, I don't know if I want to, like, do seven years of a PhD program and end up just having to write funds or, like, grants all the time to get funding just to do, like, the research that I want to do. Um, but like being able to be in that environment taught me a lot about research. It taught me a lot about empathy and it just it made me very, very um, involved in I think mental illnesses in general and I think that's like still something I want to pursue till this day.
0: And, and a lot of people know kind of about you Julia, that, that you are interested in eventually pursuing your career in, in something mental health related in digital health or in another capacity. Um, and, and I guess one of the things that's um, interesting is, is how did you think about, what you wanted to do after you finish school. I mean, you've had all these really diverse experiences. You were trained clinically in, in kind of psychology and had all these great experiences working in different labs under the tutelage of some amazing people. How did you approach thinking about what you wanted to do after you graduated? Yeah,
1: Um. so kind of like I was saying before, I my whole background was like in academia, right? Just like writing papers, reading papers. And so I genuinely was like, I genuinely thought I was going to just go to graduate school for clinical psychology and, and end up being a researcher and a professor. Um but it's just funny I guess how life works. So um I one of my friends, he was more of like involved in business and he wanted me to like go with him to this job fair. And I remember thinking like like job fair, I was like, I'm not thinking about a job. I'm thinking thinking about just going to grad school. But like just to like humor him, I like went and Funnily enough, he like ditched me. So I remember just walking around this job fair and being like, "What is this? Like, I like never thought about like going into any of these companies or any of these positions. Like all like my whole four years was around than just being a researcher. Um, and I remember just like walk, and like I remember these people like asking me like, "Oh, do you have a resume? I was like, "No, I don't have a resume. Like you you only have CVs like in the academia world, right? And I remember going home like, "Oh, like I was like this is so interesting. Like I've never I never went to a job fair because I never thought that was like something I would do straight out of undergrad. And then, um, and then I started to get emails because I think I went to that event and then there was like, uh, like a partner from a brand consulting firm, which is where I actually ended up working, um, called Profit. And like, they're coming to campus. Like, you want to come and sit in? And I remember thinking like, I don't, I don't even know what branding is. I don't know what brand consulting means, but I'll go just to check it out. Um, I remember like I sat in the back and I had no questions for this guy but I was just like I'll just hear what he has to say and I think just one thing he said really um, intrigued me because he was like oh I worked with one client and like it was it's like a consumer product and to understand like what's the next product we wanted to create for the pipeline I would go into people's houses and do research and like really ethnographic and then I would take all that research and then like feed it into insights and ended up creating like this toothpaste that everyone now uses. Like, while it's just like a toothpaste. I was like, Oh, I was like, I didn't know there were jobs out there where you could just like do all this research and still be able to like do something very creative mm. with it. And, um, and that was like another thing that I did in college. So like, I felt like my college would like my college experience was like defined by two things. Like one was like working in a lab. And then two was I led like, um, like a student led organization that did design work. And so we would work with like different, or yeah, we were a student organization that was like sponsored by um, a department within Vanderbilt, but we would help other student organizations or other departments in the school, like build creative assets. And so whether it be like posters, um, even like building up websites sometimes. And so I had this one side where I was like, oh, I really wanna be like a designer. And I thought I wanted to be a designer too. I was like, that was was my other goal is to like work in the art world. but obviously I like didn't have a portfolio and was not like professionally trained. It was all just like self-taught. Um, and after I went to that thing, I was like, Oh, that's so interesting. I was like, I didn't know you could do something like creative plus still type of research here at the same time. Like not everything necessarily has to be, just be creative or just be research. Um, and so there was like a resume drop and I remember like, I didn't have like a resume. Like my resume was from like maybe fresh, this was senior year or, junior year senior year and i had something i had done up in my freshman year and there were like four different colors on the resume and i remember just like submitting it and i didn't even think twice um and i ended up getting an interview i remember thinking i'm like what like i'm like what is this and i was like i don't know anything about it but somehow i got an interview and so the way i prepped was that i watched like hours and hours of youtube videos of like big three consulting interviews <laughs> just to understand what they would be asking <laughs> and it was just it was such like a weird experience but yeah and then i mean like one thing led to another and i ended up getting the job um um but at the same time like i was saying i really wanted to go into academia still because i thought like that's what i wanted so i actually applied to like this um master's master's into doctorate program at cambridge um and it was for like in the medical sciences, and I remember writing my like re- my like research topic on like schizophrenia and like VR. And I remember being really excited about it, and just it was just like a series of events that eventually led me to like, just like working in branding. So I am not getting accepted, um, but because it's not like a PhD program in the states, so like PhD programs in the states, they essentially like they they like sponsor you essentially, right? They pay you to be to do research. But um, at Cambridge, it's like, I mean, I would have to pay full tuition, and I wasn't able to do that. And um, so I graduated early from Vanderbilt. And so I graduated in December of 2014. And I could either, like, start the job or um, end up going to, like, this graduate program. And I remember I applied for a scholarship for this program, and I ended up not getting it. I remember, like, it was in January, and I got the email, like, oh, you were not chosen for the scholarship. And I was like, well, um, I can't pay for this. So I was like, I guess I can't go anymore. Um, and but the thing is, like, I never I didn't reject the offer yet, even though I didn't get the scholarship. I was just like, I'll, I'll hold out. I'll see. And so what I did instead was I started the job in February of 2015. Um, because i was like you know what like i got a job at least like ha- like work for the time being and the program didn't start until i think august and so i was like i'll work all the way until august and then i'll see like if i like this job enough i'll stay in it and um if i don't i'll figure out a way to pay for this program um and finally enough, i was like you know what this job is like interesting enough and i'm gonna stay and so that there went kind of like my dreams of going to grad school um but i think that's why like I guess, like you were saying, people know that I really want to get into, like, digital health still, because I think I always had this, like, thing in the back of my head where I was like, what if I had gone to grad school? Like, what if I had just gone to Cambridge and, like, did my research there and got my PhD? Like, where would I be today? Um, I mean, who knows, right? But it's always, like, part of me that kind of, I I still wonder to this
0: day. And, and Julia, it's, it's really interesting, because I mean, as, as everyone knows, you eventually ended up going to grad school and kind of getting your graduate mm-hmm. education. Um, would you mind just sharing a little bit about kind of what kept you at profit and kind of how you thought about your next steps after staying with that that organization. Um, uh, for folks, including myself, who aren't really familiar with brand consulting um, and kind of working in, in digital type of strategy, um, w- would you mind sharing a little bit of background on kind of what you enjoyed about the position and kind of what you did? And, and, and you were still in Nashville at the time, or did, did you move for the show?
1: Yeah, so they were based in Atlanta. Um, and so I just <laughs> so still stayed in the South, but I ended up moving to Atlanta during that time. And I think it's just like, it's funny that you asked me this, because again, I think I, I feel like I got that job just like, honestly, miraculously, I wasn't expecting to get it, just, still didn't know anything about branding going in. Um, so I had a very, very steep learning curve. Um, I struggle, I would I definitely say I struggled a lot in my first, I would almost say like my first year there. Um, never really understood like what I was supposed to be doing, like what our value add was the clients and so it was really just me like taking in all these I, I guess taking in everything that we were doing for clients and just trying to teach myself because it's like you're on a job right it's like not no one's there they just kind of hold your hand and like walk you through everything they expect you to kind of like keep up your day by yourself um and i think coming from again a very research background or an academic background where it's, like, while you do collaborate, it's, like, most of the time you're just, like, in the lab working by yourself, you're running things by yourself, you're analyzing things by yourself, and, like, working at an agency, too, it's, like, you're always in meetings, you're always with people, and it became, it became a lot for me. Um, oops, sorry, my your pods are dying,
0: let me take that quick. Uh, sorry, say that one more time, Julia.
1: Okay. My ear are dying, so I just had to take them out, but I'm putting myself on speaker. Um. Uh. Yeah, so I, I struggled a lot in the first couple, well, I was only there for, like, a year and a half. I remember struggling and just being very, I would say I was pretty unhappy because I was, like, I wasn't made to do this. Like, I don't even, I don't understand branding. Like, I feel like people who came, like, came into branding kind of knew at least, like, they wanted to get into this, like, consulting side of things, and that's why they ended up that profit. Like, I didn't even know what consulting was. Um. But I honestly, I appreciate the experience because I learned so much from the managers who were able to kind of like work side by side with me. And like looking back now, I remember thinking, I'm like, oh my God, there were so many things I could have done differently. And like, I don't know why I didn't like do this and that and learn more about this and that. But like, it led me to where I am today. And so I worked at, and I love what I liked about it too, was like being able to work with different clients. Um, I think it's like when you do go into a client side role you end up just like working in one i guess like you're, you're kind of siloed right but i was able to like work with different types of clients i remember just like one one project it was like with a cancer hospital i remember just like really liking that project and maybe it was like even you know, just the team i was working with but i really enjoyed it um at the same time though that's what led me to san francisco because i was like oh all these clients are just like really big corporations, like maybe if I move to SF I'll be able to like do branding for like tech companies and I think I would just falling into I was like just going with what people were saying. We're like, oh tech is so interesting, especially in Atlanta where like tech isn't as big there. And so everyone there is like, ooh, tech companies. And so I'm like, okay, then I'm gonna i I'm gonna be asked to transfer to San Francisco. And so they they did transfer to San Francisco, but it's just like if you think about it, um a lot of like the A lot of the companies that use brand consulting agencies are typically, like, very big um, and typically older tech companies. Remember, I was like, oh, okay, like, this isn't exactly what I thought I was going to be doing. Um, And I would say I was still pretty, like, unhappy in my job. And so that's when I started to look for a change. And I think at the same time, I was becoming very tired of America. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I don't know if it was because like going through vanderbilt like realizing oh my gosh like are americans like this like so many microaggressions like i never felt like i was treated equally as an asian um i don't know if i felt differently in san francisco i guess like during that time i was still like, trying to just get through a lot of stuff personally and so that was what prompted me to look for a job in china again because i think just like being raised in China and like when you go somewhere from middle and high school you just have such good memories of it and we're just being like oh my gosh like, if I go back to China I'd just be happy again. Um, And so I actually ended up applying for a bunch of branding jobs in China. Um, and I think at that point at least I had a, like an, a good grasp of what branding was. I think a lot of a lot of the projects I did was more about like doing a lot of like qualitative research. So I ran a lot of focus groups, ethnographic research to go into people's homes um, and using those insights to either like come up with a product pipeline or build out like a new brand personality, brand foundation, um, it's kind of just like the stories that brands tell their consumers to to really like get consumers to feel like, oh, this brand like really understands my pain points and what they're putting out there really solves uh, the issues that I'm having. Um, and so, uh, because of just, like, the situation, my personal situation in America, I was just, like, I I just had to go somewhere, and I think that's where I also say, like, I'm very privileged in that, to have that international experience, because it was very easy for me to just be, like, yeah, I'm gonna go to China, and I got the offer, and then, like, maybe two weeks later, I packed myself up and, like, moved to China.
0: <laughs> and what was that like? I mean, so, so you're, you're kind of, thinking that you want to go back to like these former memories um, that you had kind of growing up in your youth. And and, and you're, you're at a different stage now. You're you're older, you're mature, you've had some work experience, um, and, and you go back. And, and was it kind of everything that you expected? Was it, um, were you able to kind of pick up back where you left off? Uh, what was kind of working now in China like?
1: Yeah, um, I think that's a very interesting question, because I, like I was saying, like I went back with the these expectations that China was going to be the same as I had left it like five years ago. Yeah. I left in like 2011, went back in 2016. Um, And it was 100% different. I mean, there's like one, China is just, it literally changes probably every half year. Like you go back and there's something different. Um, That's just like the speed of things being done in China. So I felt like I was going back to a different city. And like, obviously everyone from high school had pretty much left. And so I was honestly building like a new, new life there. like i was working so the job i got there was actually for a u.s also brand consulting firm but for their asia op for their china office um and while it was like a us-based company the whole the whole company there was like more local everyone was like chinese um and so that was just like one from a work perspective that was really interesting and then i guess going back to like my expectations of china i realized like going back there i was like oh i only know like one really close friend it's funny actually it was the friend who like i was best friends with and like made me want to apply to vanderbilt um so she was still in china and so i remember just like hitting her up and we met up and that's kind of like how my friend group kind of grew there and i mean that's how all friend groups grow right like you 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 meet up with one person they kind of like introduce you to a bunch of people um but i china's work environment is just it's kind of ridiculous because i feel like people are just like everything's just like work 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 and there's I guess it's like it's almost hard for people to find that line where it's just like hey as friends it's like you shouldn't you you shouldn't talk about work all the time right but I remember like maybe it was just like the group of friends I made there but it was like every time we would go out to eat or hang out would always be talking about this client or that client or how much to charge or i don't know and i remember just getting very frustrated i was just like hey we're all like friends having dinner like why are we talking about like money or clients or work like i think there's more beyond that right and it's like i want to talk to people who want to discuss like other things about life in general or just other topics um and i think i i i kind of like siloed myself into that group or not siloed like i but was so deep into that group of friends where i didn't feel like i could just go off and like find a different group and so i think i ended up just being i think even more unhappy because one i was like super overworked um like remember working in in the office till two in the morning and then like renting one of those bikes and like biking home um and so there was that like the work was just overwhelming and at the same time Because a lot of the clients were Chinese, it was like I was working double because it was like, if I had to present to a client, I would have to go home and like rehearse hours and hours to make sure like it sounded like I knew what I was saying. Um, And at the same time, I just, I felt more, um, I just didn't feel like I was aligned with a lot of my friends there. And so I think I ended up kind of like receding into myself and becoming very, very antisocial. And it actually just ended up making me,
0: I think, hate China. <laughs> oh man, and and so I guess Julia, you're you're at this position now um, where you, you kind of went back to to kind of see. Um, to kind of relive or I guess go back to some of those old memories and then you get there and then it's, it's different than what I expected and and I guess what's going through your mind then now like you're in this state where you want to have these deeper conversations these other conversations Um, are, are you staying with your your family like and, and what how are you thinking about your next steps Um, who, who's influencing how you're thinking about what to do now yeah um, no so I was living alone and I think
1: that also affected me because um, I ended up renting an apartment a little bit farther on the city while all my friends were in the center of the city. And so also it was really hard for me to go see them if I wanted to go see them. And so there were just a lot of times where I was like, oh, I'm too far out. I'm not like not, I, it's like not really convenient for me to come out there. And so that's, I think that also fed into me being like, I guess more sad because I, I wasn't having these like social interactions. Um, I think the thing that I really End up pushing me to make a change was one I mean so I ended up like having my own like kind of issues in terms of like health wise um and then I just remember very clearly having doing a project or like doing yeah doing a project for like a genetic startup or gen- a genetic testing startup in China, and that actually like sparked my interest in digital health again. And I remember just being like, "Oh my gosh! Like this is what I like always wanted to do. Like get into the health health world. Like why am I not doing this?" And um, a lot of the clients, like the funny thing is, like I loved all my coworkers at work. Um, end up like being very close friends with one of them. But like, uh like if you know if anyone knows anything about like getting clients in china like a lot of the ones that end up like getting using brand strategy agencies are like state-owned companies so you're just like working for very big companies that are pretty much like connected with the government um and so my my clients were just kind of like oh like oil and gas or i don't know like like retail development and i remember being like wow this is i'm just not passionate about this at the end of the day like i can do this work but it's like, I'm not excited. And um, like even going to present to clients, I was like, okay, like, here you go. Um, But I was, I wasn't like, oh, I'm, I'm like making a change. And I remember thinking like, oh, like being able to work in healthcare, like, I think I could make a change there. Um, And so I actually even started applying for jobs at healthcare companies. But the thing is, like, I just didn't have the experience, right? Like, one, didn't have experience in healthcare. And two, they were, I wasn't even sure like what I could offer within the healthcare world because it was like, I, all I had was this branding background and building out more like brand strategy type stuff. And none of it was like very executional in a sense. Um, And like any digital health company is like very tech based, right? So they're looking for people who are kind of like product managers um, at the end of the day. And I remember applying and just like not getting anything. And I was just like, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is obviously not working out. Um, and then at the same time, this kind of like goes back to my parents, like very caring a lot about education. And my parents were like, oh, you're getting to an age where you should really just start applying for an MBA. Um, and I remember I was actually very against it because I was like, well, I'm still doing pretty well in my job right now. Like, I could become a manager soon. Like, what's the point of like going to an MBA program, spending two years there when I could just be promoted? Um, and so you could say my dad convinced me a lot like he had to do a lot of convincing um and i remember just being like fine i'll take the gmat and then we'll see where it goes and so that was like the latter half of my china experience because i spent a couple months studying for the gmat taking it well i guess was like a whole year right like i took the gmat and then right before the summer and then ended up writing up all my applications over the summer into august ish applied then and then got the Haas acceptance in December so like all of my 2017 was just like for my NDA app um but like I think that also affected like my social life too because then I was like oh I'm studying for the GMAT or oh I'm like working on my essay so I can't come out so I just like grew increasingly increasingly upset and I think that pushed me more into like you know what I have to leave I have to
0: go I have to go do something different and, and was it exciting to you then? Like you get this house acceptance and you're, and you're thinking about kind of going to grad school. Um, were you excited about it or were you kind of still of the mindset where, hey, like I, I could just stay at, at my at brand strategy firm and, and just kind of get promoted and continue working?
1: Um, yeah, no, actually I was very, I think I was more excited because I put so much work into it. Um, I remember getting the call at work and I actually just like ended up crying because I was so happy. Um, I think, I think at that point in my life too, so this is like December of 2017, I think at that point in my life too, I was really ready for a change. And like, if you, I guess if I look back at my past, like historically, I have never stayed in a place for even more than like maybe like atlanta it was like a little bit over a year but other than that i've never lived in the place more than that and so like in china i've been living there for about a year and a half at that or yeah or a year at that point and i was like okay i'm ready for a change um i think that's like i guess that's sort of my personality and that like i'm always like just i just want something new i want something new so i was Really excited to be able to just do something new again because I think I was becoming very complacent in my job and complacent kind of in my life too.
0: And Julia, as, as we wrap up here, is, is there anything else you'd want to share with our audience listening today that you haven't been able to share already?
1: Um, I don't want to share. I feel like you've been pretty good at like, getting me to open up about a lot of stuff. Um... But I think like one thing I, I still feel like now it's like, it's so cheesy, but it's like, you know, if you really want something, like there's always a way to get to it. I think coming into Haas and like being to take a lot of classes, like especially with Kim and interacting with dualies and learning about the healthcare landscape here in the States, um, I became very, uh. Cynical about the landscape, um, and I remember, like I think, I'm in a house. Like I really want to start my own like digital health company, and I was like, oh my gosh, like isn't even possible. But I think, um like now more more so than ever, I feel like I'm getting closer and closer to that goal of being able to work within healthcare and do it in a role that I would find interesting and still be able to make an impact. And yes, it's taken me like more more time than I would have ever thought it would. But I mean. I think there's all there's always an opportunity. And so it's, like, it's just, I guess, how you how you end up using your opportunities.
0: Once again, that's Julia Ju. Um, she's a recent graduate of the Haas School of Business and um, is doing some incredible things. She's still here in the Bay Area and um, currently continuing her work leading brand strategy for um, a, num- a number of different companies, um, including company yours. Um, thanks again for, for joining us, Julia. Um, it was great having you. Thank
1: you.